What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John and Toaster here, and we are joined by the newest intern of the pod, intern J-Rob. Uh, intern J-Rob, say, uh, say hi to the fans. What's up, guys? Glad to be Shut part up, of the intern. team. And, uh... All right, done. <laughs> All right, and that was the segment for intern Josh. So thanks, Josh. Um, now, Josh is going to be joining us to uh, help us out, keep us a little bit online here uh, as we tend to go off the rail sometimes and also chime in as well. So uh, happy to have you here, Josh. Thanks for helping us out. But uh, let's get into it. This is our week eight recap episode. So as always, we'll touch on the games from the primetime parlay, which is all the primetime games, excluding the Monday night game, which is happening right now and our bonus picks before getting into the other storylines of the week. So we will kick ourselves off here with the Thursday night game, the Packers and the Cardinals. Packers end up winning 24 to 21. This was a wild game. The Packers were without Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. They, who else were they missing? Joe Barry, their uh, defensive coordinator was out with COVID. Lazard, then basically a scrum squad going against Kyler Murray and the undefeated Arizona Cardinals are formerly undefeated Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals were also down worth mentioning though, to their third string center. Uh, JJ Watt is done for the year. They did get Chandler Jones back for this game. So a little bit of boost, but, but it's just kind AJ of a Green weird out of retirement. So like, I mean, <laughs> there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this was a lot of weird stuff going on with this game. Obviously, the injuries, the COVID stuff, but the Packers end up winning here. Um, so the 72 Dolphins, I suppose, get to pop their champagne. Um, and we survived the primetime parlay the from the Thursday night game for just both of us for just the third time this year, which uh, was a little wild, but we made it. Um, but yeah, this game, it, you know... We go into these games, right? What what are we learning from this stuff? What I learned from this is as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, nothing else matters, especially with the way that Matt LaFleur runs his offense. It's so simple but effective. It's all pre-snap reads from Aaron Rodgers. He usually has a couple different options on a given play, and he just gets the ball out quick, and he's going to out-execute you down the field. Uh, he didn't have his best game by any means, but he didn't necessarily need it. And, you know, the Cardinals, they were looking like this game was starting to get away from them a little bit. And then they were able to come back in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, that last drive by Kyler Murray was some elite stuff. I mean, they went they went empty. They went four out and just had him pick his matchups up until the interception. But uh, what stands out to you most from this game, Toaster? I mean, this game in a box score perspective is way closer to me than it was in actuality. I mean, the Cardinals defense, I will give them credit for it, had two goal line stands. I mean, the interception returned to the three yard line that turned into just a just a field goal. And then um, the turnover on downs, it, it was Packers all the way. This was complete and utter domination, in my opinion. And the Cardinals need to be a little bit concerned about Kyler Murray being dinged up at the end of the at the end of this game and whether or not he's going to be available for the next one to three weeks. 
Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from the Cardinal side for me here is Kyler. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this doesn't this game doesn't change my mind. At least the outcome of this game doesn't change my mind about who these two teams are, where they necessarily rank in the hierarchy of the NFC. I think if I'm, you know, picking tomorrow, I might still put the Cardinals slightly ahead of the Packers right now. Um all things being equal uh, despite the outcome here, but Kyler getting hurt on that what was it? The second to last play that they ran. I mean, he clearly was hobbled that throw, that last throw, he put everything he had into that throw and immediately crumbled to the ground. And I, do we know, I know he left the game in a boot, but do we know like the extent of what the possible injury is here? They said it's a legitimate ankle sprain. Um, so not a high ankle sprain, Low ankle sprain is just a, you know, a tolerance type of thing typically, but he's still considered day to day for the San Francisco 49ers game next weekend. So it, it, it doesn't look great. And this has been the knock on Kyler the whole time is that when you run that aggressive style, putting your quarterback out there to take hits, are, is it going to ultimately catch up with you? Cause I mean, they were what five and one to start off last season. Now they were seven and oh, seven and one now. I think that this does, even with the loss, solidify that Cliff Kingsbury is going to get his first uh, season over 500. But I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> Shit would have I, to go mad sideways. Absolutely. But um, it's just a, it's a perilous play right now. And I think, uh, like I talked about last week, where uh, Derrick Henry was the MVP of the league, this one showed me that DeAndre Hopkins is the glue that holds that team together because short of that, you know, absolutely amazing first play of it wasn't the first play of the game, but first long play of the game where yeah, Hopkins basically sold that it was an underthrow, got the DB off of him for three, four yards, then decided to just absolutely mangle his face. Um <laughs> there was nothing else from the Cardinals offense for the entire second the entire first half. Yeah, and his injury, so that hamstring is something that he's been dealing with really for a couple years. He he pops up on the injury report every week, and you know there's always some. I think a little bit of a question is he uh, isn't he going to play? So it, uh, definitely something for them to monitor. I mean, they got they came out of this game really banged up. They were losing guys left and right, and um, it, it's going to be tough for them. I think ultimately I, this is. If you are going to be without Kyler, although I, hand up, I don't even know who their backup is. Do you? It's, it's Strevler. Oh, it's fucking, Struggler. Uh, fucking uh, right arm tat Strevler. Oh my arm god. Sleeve. Who? Yeah. Arm sleeve Strevler. Has he ever Steve played Strevler? Yeah, he played. He played last year um, in multiple unforgettable or multiple forgettable performances. Uh, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, I don't even remember where he came from. I don't think it was the CFL, but some. The name screams BYU. <laughs> Outside of the tats, yes. Yeah. Uh, bottom line is they are not in a very great position um, at that. So South Dakota, by the way, Chris, Chris Strebler, um, two years in the league. But um yeah, they're they're not in a good spot if Kyler misses time. But that said, they get the Niners, who, despite what they you know 
did this week, are, I think are pretty unimpressive so far. The Panthers, who we know have been struggling despite their win this week. Same with the Seahawks, really. Then they get a bye and the Bears. Those All four of those games are very winnable for them. And I guess, you know, Kyler being the, the key piece here. But in theory, you worst case, you should go three and one on that stretch. And that sets you up pretty nice going into that Monday night football game week 14 against the Rams. They could be 10 and two or 11 and one potentially. But I, I do think on some level here, there's a positive for the Cardinals that they're the seven and no things done, right? right? You no longer have to worry about the undefeated record and all the maybe we're just better stuff, and which maybe they that's obviously the Packers got it out of the way week one, right? And they're like, we don't want this exactly no bullshit. Let's just get absolutely <laughs> destroyed by the, the Saints and uh, we can go 16 to one the rest of the time. Yeah, there you go. But I, I mean, they they now it gives them a great opportunity to reset to some degree. And, you know, we've talked about with Bill Belichick, the way that he likes to uh, motivate his team. You learn a lot more from losing than you do from winning. That's for sure. And I think this is going to really that set Urban them. Meyer's motto too. <laughs> I mean, that's all he's got really at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that they can take something positive from this and, you know, you just move forward really. Um, but this was, this was a weird one. It's Thursday night. There was a bunch of injuries, you know, it's Thursday we, night we wild card. To... That's why we've only mm -hmm. made it through three times out of, uh, eight weeks. Now I would say though, um, when you talk about 49ers, Panthers, Seahawks, Bears, then Rams, Panthers probably get CMC back by week 10 and the Seahawks probably get Russell Wilson back, back. by week 11. So not yeah. still not, not a pushover by any means. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to, to bounce back. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great call. Those teams getting healthy definitely changes things a little bit, but all right. Um, any last thoughts on the Thursday night game before we move on here? Um, I want to know what AJ Green was doing. Why did he think that was a run? I don't, I, I don't understand. Is that a, like a read thing how, where it's a run with the option it, of like it was him a, being the primary design? It was a designed pass to the other side of the field. I just don't get why you give up on any given play. I, I'm saying is any given Sunday. Now it's any given Thursday or Monday or sometimes Saturday, like just play it out, right? Like you're not he, blocking, even if it's to the other side of the field, be prepared for something crazy to happen. Um, yeah, if he turns around, it's in his armpit and it's a touchdown. Yeah. Like I don't. He looked up at the jumbotron like he was blocking, seeing if uh, he was like trying to Edmonds watch ran it in or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. So you I think that's Kyler... just, that's not miscommunication? That's just him. Oh it, no, I mean, it was. It, it definitely was. Okay. But the, the, the him play call in. was not to him, so he just kind of cashed run his bit. run his full route and uh, cost them the game. Quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, okay. Kyler clearly motions to him, right? So Kyler's got a pre-snap look that he changed up what he was looking to do and tried to get AJ to what looked like was probably just run some sort of shallow fade. And yeah, yeah so I, I think it was just miscommunication. But, you know, you get in those moments like and shit's rolling and your t time is like, you know, of the essence yeah. there. It's like you you know that you have essentially one shot into the end zone there, maybe two, 
depending on how quickly you get it off before you might be kicking to go to overtime. So like there's just a lot going on in that moment. But yeah, not not a great look for AJ Green. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to our bonus picks. Um, we'll start with mine just because, you know, I won. No time out, uh, time out, time out. We're not going to the Sunday night football game. Oh, you're Sorry, right. I called probably... three timeouts consecutively there. That was my bad. <laughs> no, uh, that's <laughs> nice job, Mike Zimmer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's you're totally right. Let's go to Sunday night. Cowboys, Vikings. Uh, we got our Cooper Rush game in this one. Um, Cowboys ended up pulling off the victory thanks to a late touchdown by Cooper Rush uh, to Amari Cooper. Uh, 20 to 16 history was made on that play, by the way, uh, courtesy of the official NFL research Twitter account. That was the first time in NFL history that a passer's first name and a receiver's last name were the exact match on a touchdown. Uh, fun facts. And uh, the Cowboys also happen to have the only time that a passer's last name and a receiver's first name matched up last year with Andy Dalton and Dalton Schultz, which is kind of funny as well. Um, name Agami. Yeah. Name, name Agami for sure. Uh, yeah. This one was just fucking classic Kirk cousins, prime time and Mike Zimmer. Wasn't it like, that's what I got here. Hey, I, I took the I took the points with the Vikings and I would have still taken the points with the Vikings even if Dak Prescott was playing. This was egregious to me. This is inexcusable. This is a fireable offense for Zimmer prior to his 5-yard delay of game defensive penalty and for right. the for the uh, new listeners to the podcast or maybe people that are new to the NFL. Yeah, there aren't a lot of delay of game penalties called against the defense. It basically means you're calling two consecutive timeouts, which is not actually granted. Um, typically, yep. refs just ignore that and they blew the whistle, not going conspiracy theory there or anything. Um, we've got way more conspiracy theory to get into later. Um, but how do you forget that you called timeout fucking 40 seconds ago? Like I, that, that's take them out of office type of deal. Yeah. That's, that's the part where even if you did forget, and I, I, I suppose I appreciate Mike Zimmer's honesty here. Don't fucking tell us that you yeah. forgot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come I thought on, I had, man. I thought I had four timeouts. I'm sorry. Like I do something Tom Brady esque. What? Yes. What the fucking fuck you give up five free yards. They're at the 25. They're down by three, third and 16. They're playing conservative game at that point to kick the yep. field goal, go into overtime. Hopefully Kirk Cousins doesn't matter, come back and, you know, whatever minute plus are left. And you pull, you pull that shit and then you can't tackle Zeke Elliott. And mm -hmm. there you go. That's your game. Yep. Yeah. Cooper Rush makes a play and, uh, you know, shit happens but yeah Kirk Cousins did not have his best game in this one and I know last week we'd mentioned how some of those primetime woes were maybe behind him but you know you put another loss in here and you add it all up uh since 2000 he's got the lowest um 
win percentage of any quarterback in prime time. And it's by a pretty healthy margin. Um, Eli is uh, the next closest. Kirk's at 320. Eli's at 441. He's 8 and 17 straight up and 9 and 16 against the spread in prime time, which makes him the least profitable quarterback in primetime games since he entered the league. The only other, uh, the only guy that's worse is Andy Dalton. So it, not, just not a great look for Kirkers, man. Like he just should boycott any game that they play. That well, he did boycott. Remember, this was the preseason primetime game, and he decided to go on the COVID list at that point. So um, you're right. Yeah, whenever he can boycott it, he will. I I thought that this was going to be one of those to get the monkeys off his back. Um, because cowboy, I mean. Elliot, 16 carries for 50 yards, nothing special there. Pollard, 7 for 26. How do you let Cooper Rush do this to you? The The joke yeah. of the Cowboys last year was that they had no backup quarterback and what Cooper Rush was fourth string on the practice squad last year. And now he's yeah. coming in and beating the Minnesota Vikings, absolutely destroying their hopes for any sort of playoffs at this point because I think they go uh, Ravens, Chargers, um, who is it after that? But another another non-winnable game at this point. Let me look it up real quick. Um, Packers. So, like, if you're this was it's the tough. game that they needed to get back, right the ship, and they did absolutely nothing after that first drive. Three field goals in three quarters. Um, props to the Dallas Cowboys defense. I think that you know they're definitely stepping it up. But you can't let Cooper Rush beat you if you are a head coach with a defensive mindset this is like i said mike denver's last dance to me yeah it's it'd be one thing if zeke and tony pollard just popped off right, right. and it, and you're like okay well dallas you know they've got horses and they they just ran us over but like you said they kept them in check that should be enough for this one um yeah, the fucking Vikings, man. I I mean, they're still sitting here. They're eighth in the NFC. And, you know, they're very much in the conversation for that final wild card spot still if they can pull it together. I mean, their competition I mean, they, is not all that fierce. They do get to play the Lions twice a year, so that helps. Um, but, yeah, I think that those next three games just mentally are going to be taxing on them. And what do you do with Kirk Cousins after that? You mean after this season? After, yeah. It's, he's still got one year left on his guaranteed contract. I'm pretty sure, but if you're if you're middling on the competition that they've played, you're not executing the games. Zimmer's got to be gone, and Cousins has a, a target on his back as far as moving on from him because this is about this is about making the playoffs. This is about winning games. And he's not doing that for you right now. As, as impressively as he played in, you know, their, what, two of their three losses that they had, he was lighting up the stat sheet. And he just can't take you over the edge. 184 yards, 23 of 35, one touchdown against a banged-up Dallas Cowboys team. Like, this was this was the gimme. And if you yeah. can't win that, then, it, I, to me, the season's over for them. Yeah, th I think the problem when you look forward with Kirk, though, is – he, everything aside, has played really well this year. You know, we've mentioned how well he's played several times um, throughout the year so far. And I don't know, like, how many available upgrades are there going to be? Unless the Vikings just decide 
fuck it, we're going to tank, which very few NFL teams truly do, then I just don't know if you have a better option. And yeah, he's going to be an expensive this one, is, too. And this is the middling purgatory that you've complained about for the Bears for the longest yeah. time, is that they're, they're competitive enough to not have a high draft pick, and they're not competitive enough to actually compete for anything. And yeah. you're just in this purgatory of, we'll call it the, the Cousins era. Yeah, the cousin zone, the Kirker zone for sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. That, like you said, the next three weeks will be telling for them. But anything else on this game before we get out? Do you think being the head coach of a Kirk Cousins led team is like job security? Because you can always look and point at the stats and be like, see, dude, he's putting up numbers. Like, we're just not, you know, it's ball luck. And then if he has a bad game, you can be like, well, I can't, I didn't tell him to make those kind of throws. And do you think him and Zimmer will forever be tied because of that? Like, I think you can he's, do that with a no one's ever questioned coach. his security. Like, no one's if ever questioned like Zimmer a, getting axed. If this was like Kyle Shanahan, then absolutely you're saying, like, yeah. oh, look, Kirky's getting it done. But on yep. the defensive side, you're like, oh, shit, Kirky's getting it done. And I'm not doing it on my side of the ball. That's yeah, it makes Zimmer look Zimmer. worse. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. Well, now, now the bonus picks, now the bonus picks. Uh, so first game, this was mine Titans at Colts. So Titans end up winning this one. Is this your uh, third overtime cover? I think it is. Yeah, I, I think it is. I'm, I'm hot. We go maybe. for the exciting game. So John is, I will give it to you. Just racking them up there in three them overtime um, against the spread wins. Oh, yeah. You got to love it. Titans were a one-point dog. Um, I liked them as the better team, so I figured why not take a point here. But uh, the game goes to overtime. They win on a field goal. Um, this was this was like kind of a wild game. Um, you know, the, the Colts went up 14 to nothing in, in the first quarter here, um, and it looked like they were just going to steamroll them. And it 14 just... nothing then... Tannehill interception yeah and and then it just fell apart yep after that and I mean Wentz <laughs> Wentz is especially with Jameis Hurt now he is the NFL YOLO king like just <laughs> chuck it up it doesn't matter what the situation was that that crazy interception that he had earlier I think a few weeks ago um near the goal line he one-upped himself with his interception at the end of this game uh, for that INT. I still and, think Mahomes' pass was work, worse, but this one went for a pick six because he caught it right. at the one-yard line. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just trying to do too much. I, To his credit, though, I saw this uh, stat earlier today. He leads the NFL in yards gain from defensive pass interference by, like, a healthy margin. So... It, the YOLO and throws, those, you live and die by them. Absolutely. I, we need to get that out of the game. Those were uncatchable balls, basically. Yeah. Throw it five yards underneath them, and all they do, that the defense, in my opinion, defensive player has position at that point. And this sure. is coming from somebody that said, I thought the Colts were going to win. I'm shitting on these calls because I think there were two very big plays where they were absolutely underthrown balls by Carson Wentz and turned into 50 plus yards plays because technically the receiver was going back for the ball but if you're right. going to throw it five yards under the wide receiver that's that's on you bro i'm sorry 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's so tough though, because by the letter of the law, you know, whatever they're impeding the wide receiver, but yeah, we've got to figure out a way to determine defensive positioning on those types of throws. It, you can't build an offense around defensive pass interference. Like yeah, it's just, there's one ridiculous. thing for back shoulder. There's a different thing for underthrown ball. That's my, that's where I stand on this. If it is, yeah. If the ball's within, you know, a yard or two of the defensive back and they're competing for the ball actively, yes, absolutely give them the pass interference. But if you just throw a shit ball and the defense and the offensive player has to run backwards five, 10 yards to try to get it and right. there's a defensive player in the way, that's not on the defensive player. I'm sorry. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, so. Titans come roaring back. Derrick Henry never really popped off in this game. And then we he find out after <laughs> he popped something. We find out afterwards that he broke uh, a metatarsal, metatarsal bone. Yep. Fifth metatarsal and is getting surgery and is potentially done for the year. I, I don't know if anything's been definitive on that. I'm not as familiar with surgery to, on that injury. Six to 10 weeks. Six to 10 weeks on that. And um, it's basically fifth metatarsal is on your pinky side of your toe. So when you think about cutting, that's a pretty big one for, move, for right. lateral movement. Okay. Well, luckily, Tractor Cito just gets downhill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just fucking buries people. But yeah, I mean, that's, that is a huge, huge blow to them. We've talked about how Derrick Henry needs to be in the MVP conversation so far this year. And they go out and today sign Adrian Peterson, who does he have his AARP card yet? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, that's the move you make. ADAP. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, there's, they don't have anyone else on the roster. I mean, they've got Jeremy Nichols, who's basically their scat back. So yeah. they, Derek Henry has been healthy for the majority of his career. I mean, he's missed one game since 2018. They're relying mm -hmm. on him. I, I think that he, it'll be interesting to see what happens these next couple weeks, as far as how impactful he was to the team from MVP conversation versus maybe Cooper Rush shows that Dak Prescott isn't actually the MVP if he's able to keep winning. But this is going to be a real valuation for Ryan Tannehill at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think this offense can still function quite highly without Derrick Henry just because they basically, they still run the ball well, right? Like they're, they're good up front enough here that, it's not just all Henry busting off 80 yard runs, but they're still going to lean on the running game. Whoever is back there, maybe they go out and make a trade. Um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, this is trade deadline day. So maybe they've acquired somebody already, but um, regardless of who's back there, they're going to run the ball. They're going to do play action. They're going to, they might sprinkle in a little bit more zone read stuff with Tannehill. They were really effective with that in this game. And I, I think that offense will still be fine. Um, but it, I think that, I think that lacking that play action pass is going to hurt them. And the only player I see being a good fit for them is Marlon Mack, who is on the Colts, who is not going to be traded to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. If I'm the Titans, I call Denver and see what we can get for Melvin Gordon. That's an expensive addition, but not a bad choice. If yeah. You're desperate and your team looking to make the playoffs, he's a guy that, he can at least fill that hole and run downhill. 
Well, they had to pay $9 million of uh, Von Miller's salary to get rid of him, so it'll be interesting to see how much of uh, Melvin Gordon's contract they'd, pay, they'd have to pay to get him over to Tennessee. But no, that's I, I think that that's a great fit um, for the Titans, yeah. and they look like a team that's willing to make deals right now. Yeah, I mean, right now, where are they sitting in the standings? Obviously, you know, losing to a divisional opponent right there um, is – or sorry, beating a divisional opponent like really helps them. So they're they're first right now in the AFC. Um, so I mean, yeah, they're gonna want to make a push here. So maybe maybe a splash pickup like Gordon really works. Um, that's that's a good call out. I, I guess Denver though, and maybe we'll talk about them a little bit um, later when we get into just more general trade deadline stuff. But I'm curious what direction they're taking here because. It, I don't know. Are they just going to tear it all down? Uh, I think they're screwed regardless because <laughs> I think they're going for Rodgers. I think they've already accepted they're not going to win this year. I think they're going for Rodgers, but the issue is they have no depth. So if they go for draft picks, those draft picks are going to be Rams picks, which are going to be pretty low. Any so draft. those aren't going to be very enticing. And if you end up giving up guys like Pat Sertan or some of your young talent that's going to keep your salary cap low in order to afford some veteran guys to bring in with Rodgers, you're just not going to be able to fill a decent roster. And so I think, I don't know. But if, I think you're, going going after, if you're going after Rodgers, why would you strip strip away talent, right? Like you, If you need you those talent pieces. for trading, though. Because like, I don't think the Packers are going to be too excited about a late second-round pick from the Rams that if they make it to the Super Bowl, that's a you know, more in the fifties than mm -hmm. the early thirties. And so I think it's harder to leverage those picks. And if you have to give up a guy like Pat Sertan that you wasted a first round pick on that you could have got Justin Fields for, you start looking back at a few years of wasted picks for something that we could have got mm -hmm. without having to spend an arm and a leg to get it. Waffle fries for free. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not optimistic. It's, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I think Teddy should, they should ship Teddy to new Orleans, dude. If, if Winston's out, if they're truly selling, send Teddy to new Orleans, mm -hmm. send Melvin to Tennessee and just start getting rid of any, even if you have to take on that contract for the rest of the Cut year, the fat. Yeah, yeah. And just let drew lock ride you into a top five draft pick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Anyway, him, see what you've got for you know, a half the season. <laughs> um, the, I think we're basically into the Von Miller trade at this point. The most surprising thing to me is that the, they have no linebacker depth as is. And so to trade a linebacker, uh, it was surprising, but the return that they got, even at the end of the second and third round, a contract year player, yeah, a second round pick, a third round pick that that's an older player with would, injury history, I, too. something I and would Achilles injuries coming off of from last year. And, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that part of that was saying, okay, we'll, we'll throw in the third, round pick teaser if you pay nine million of a salary but that's i mean we're I mean, in the you're already punting this is your just, year yeah, you already yeah. planned on paying him 9.75 million so right. eating nine million and you know, to get a NFL, third round pick exactly the nfl is a freaking rolling money machine so it's not it's not a big deal to throw that back out there i think that that was ultimately a, a great trade by the broncos knowing that they're not going to compete um the AFC West, if the Chiefs win tonight, all four teams are above 500. The AFC North, all four teams are above 500. So that's a very difficult thing to say we're going to be competitive at least past, you know, a 
divisional round, wild card round. Uh, take take it while you can. Yeah. yeah, and I'm happy for him too. Like near the end of his career, it gives him a chance for one more Super Bowl. You know, he got he got us a Super Bowl Super Bowl under his big contract, so like the deal is worth it. And you know, glad to see him get one more chance and probably get a boost with Donald being on the line and him not having to get all the attention being on Denver's only pass rusher. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah, no, that was a good situation for Vaughn for sure. Uh, and looking at it from the Rams side now, it's kind of funny when you go through here. So they've traded their first round pick in the Stafford deal. Uh, they're two and three for Vaughn. They're fourth for Brandon cooks, <laughs> um, a sixth for Sony Michelle. So uh, they've got some comp picks uh, coming their way, but basically they're sitting on their own fifth and uh, two sevens right now. So uh, <laughs> one, one pick in the top five or top four rounds. I, yeah. quite frankly, I love what they're doing. This is less need saying, I uh, guess what, even a first round draft pick is a 70% chance of success. So yeah, fuck it. I'm taking the veterans that I know that they can do what they can do. I've evaluated them. It's the bill Belichick style of he's, been a shitty drafter typically but been able to research some careers as he brings mm -hmm. them on after seeing them in the nfl and they're in a win now mode for the for the rams right so oh yeah one, I mean, one super one super bowl keeps you in the conversation for years to come just look at the chiefs right now right and they're gonna want to maximize these next few years with matthew stafford so uh i'm i'm totally fine with this strategy and it's not like i think a lot of people have called them out for like not valuing draft picks but they've made like i know they've given away first rounders recently but they've done a good job of acquiring picks. or like jamal adams they did it for jalen ramsey who's actually been right big difference right yes big difference so i i'm with you i i love what the rams are doing they're fucking taking their shot and you know the the top half of the nfc is gonna be tough you're obviously we've just seen the packers get to seven and one cardinals are seven and one cowboys six and one bucks just lost but they're gonna be right there i mean that's five really really solid teams when you include the rams um they're gonna need all the firepower they can get so yeah that's i don't know how they're gonna pay everybody long term they've got six million cap space next year at this point stafford still in the 25 ish million dollar contract and needs an extension um going beyond next year so that will be a little bit perilous for sneed but we, i think that's a future sneed that problem more, yeah more often than not you're able to manipulate the salary cap if you're not the freaking atlanta falcons <laughs> yeah for sure all right um speaking of a team that's done a great job uh maneuvering the salary cap let's get to the bucks and saints with your bonus pick here um big big surprise at least to me here saints win this game 36 to 27 um there's a pick six at the end that sort of like pushed it out of reach which made the the final score look as bad as it did but uh saints lose Jameis winston in this one and freaking trevor simeon i mean he didn't look good let's let's be honest here but he keeps them afloat enough to to win this game that brady looked off at times during and is this anything more than just sort of a blip on the radar for the bucks no not at all uh this is 
he's historically struggled against the Saints, and I don't mean just as a Buccaneer, like even going back to his Patriots days. For some reason, it's not a matchup that's worked out well for him. I obviously picked them, thought that this would be something to get his bugaboos behind him. And if you told me that it was going to be Trevor Simeon versus Tom Brady for three quarters, absolutely <laughs> taken five and a half. So, yeah, uh, I just the execution wasn't there. Uh, he we can talk about, you know, OK, Tom Brady didn't look great. He was still 28 to 40, 375 passing yards, four touchdowns and that late interception to take him yeah. to two. Like it, it wasn't a terrible game for him by any means. I, I did not. Well, it was see a bad game for him. Right. Still a yeah. great game for most. Yeah. But they, they didn't do anything in the rushing game. And I think that it always comes back to to balance. I, I I have said that this is one of the few teams where I where if you're you've got Tom Brady just pass the fuck out of the ball. Um, but they only had right. what 13 rushes by their running backs in the entire game. And they were it was not out of hand for the Bucks by any means. Like they weren't in catch up mode, right? They were down right uh sixteen to seven at the half, and then they they got it back up to basically a tie tie game in the third quarter they they should have been able to run the ball a little bit more effectively Mm -hmm. Um, but these are this is the nfl this is what happens and i mean i almost want to move on to this game and just get to the mike white game because if you had told me that cooper rush trevor simeon and mike white were gonna win and geno smith and geno smith in week eight of the nfl i would have said Put whatever odds you want on that. Um, my money's down. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to that one then. Uh, Bengals at Jets. The Jets, like the Bengals were the top seed in the AFC going into this week. The Jets win 34 to 31. Smacked said, them. Yeah, we get the Mike White game. Okay. Mike White dropped back 47 times. He was 37 to 45 for 405 yards and three touchdowns. He did have a couple picks, but the fact that they let him Just drop a couple back picks that many were times. in the first fucking quarter too. I know. Texted you. It was the, okay. Mike White has two picks and the Bengals are still down seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wild. But you know what he did that was really impressive. And I think Zach Wilson, I know we talked a lot about how the Jets not having a veteran for him to learn from has been an issue, but what Mike White did that Zach Wilson can absolutely learn from is he didn't do too much. He right. he honestly did like his best Tom Brady impression in this game. He checked it down a million fucking times and he just took what the defense Michael, gave them. Yeah. And yeah, and they got creative enough mixing in play action, moving pockets, misdirection, got him some early throws. Like I think they th- came out of the gate throwing the first five times and, or their first five plays. And it's like, give him some layups to get going and he took them and yeah, he, he had, rode he that the whole game 20 targets to his uh running backs for 166 yards yeah so you know there's there's something to learn from this now does this mean like the 405 yards and everything is just like kind of wild to think about does this mean mike white should be getting a look over zach wilson no but i think it's it shows that there's enough for vinnie testaverde like if we're i mean how desperate are we <laughs> we're bringing in joe flacco maybe testaverde was the next call the first 400 yard passer in the last 20 years for, yeah. for the jets uh, i mean i'm super happy for him and it just 
adds intrigue to the Madden mode, right? Like this is franchise mode, Mike White, and he's the fucking stellar New York Jets quarterback that you knew that you were drafting. Uh, also, Mike White and Cooper Rush were both battling it out for a Cowboys backup spot just a couple years ago, uh, which is just absolutely crazy that they both had those moments this week. Yeah. Very, very, very cool for Mike White um, and Cooper Rush. You know, Rush's family, they kept showing up in the stands, too. I hope Mike White had something similar for this, but just wild. what does this mean for the Bengals? Who the fuck knows, man? I don't know what to make of them. I mean, they moved the ball on offense still like Joe Burrow played. All right. Like I, the, their defense just really laid an egg more or less. Like you're telling me you couldn't crank up the pressure on, on Mike white in this one. Like the fact that they didn't make any adjustments, he just continued to hit these little short outs and like quick over the ball routes and things the whole fucking game. I, I was shocked because People have been giving their defense a lot of credit as of late as to part of the reason that they're, you know, uh, not legitimate Super Bowl contender, but a legitimate contender in that division and within the conference. And I, I frankly don't know what to make of yep. them. I mean, Jamar Chase had that drop in the end zone that came back. I mean, that was the preseason struggle. He didn't have any deep targets this game and it not great podcasting, but that unnecessary roughness call against the Bengals on what was it third down fourth down mm -hmm. um absolutely egregious the, there's no helmet to helmet contact if your helmet is below the belt of somebody else and they're still on their two feet if it right. was a diving play and they hit heads i i can give it to you if a dude's standing up and then lowers his head into your head that i mean not saying it costs them the game. No one call typically costs them, costs anybody the game. But that was egregious, and that rule needs to change. That was, and he was a runner, wasn't he? Like it wasn't even yep. like it was. He's lowered at the last second, and I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no. And that yeah. would have been, I believe, that was on third down. Would have been fourth down, punting to uh, the Bengals with the you know a minute plus left for Joe mm -hmm. Burrow to come back at that point and try to at least get a field goal out of it. Yep for sure um well anything else on this game uh that stands out i mean i and michael carter looked great oh you know you mentioned uh them feeding the their running backs the ball in the passing game but he looked he looked awesome loved that but um any other takeaways here watch out anybody that's playing the jets i mean the Colts line up against them next week they've got what is it the teams that they've beat have 11 combined wins at this point, yeah. they've beaten uh, what is now uh, the number one seed team and then a five and three team. So, yeah, if you're well, the they... coach of the Jets, are you concerned that this Mike White stuff is going to cause like drama in the locker room? Because it seemed like there were multiple guys in post games that were like ride or dying for Mike White. And do you think that would cause a riff or do you just let kind of things settle itself? To me, this is the epitome of why the NFL needs partner in developmental league. If you've got guys like Mike White, Trevor Simeon, Geno Smith, Cooper Rush winning games and prove it out. I don't think that in the NFL there's any chance that Mike White can win the locker room ultimately over Zach Wilson because of Zach, because of the draft pedigree. But these are the guys that need to develop and show what they have and say, 
guess what? I mean, take the 49ers, for instance, right now. If if Trey Lance was able to compete in a D-League like the, the NBA has, get his reps in and be better prepared for next year, all of these guys would benefit from it. Yeah. So I don't think they ultimately lose the, lock, the locker room for Zach Wilson because I think everybody understands that that's just not how it'll work out. This was... Yes, it was 405 yards. He still threw two interceptions. It still was not a pretty game. Oh, yeah, I'm not it's, saying he's, he's the guy. The second coming of yeah. what? Broadway Joe? You yeah. Think it causes but, any drama, though? Any insecurities now creeping into Zach's mind? Um, I, Maybe if Mike White slides into his mom's DMs. <laughs> but I don't you think him. that's the sort of thing? <laughs> Don't you think that's the sort of thing, though, that the New York media is going to run with? And that's, I think, where you can cause some problems for Zach Wilson and get in his head. If they were somewhat of a competitive team, maybe if they if they were actually competing for something, say they were three and four right now. Zach had a couple wins by the hair of his teeth and Mike White comes in and dominates a top team, possibly. They're two and five. They're not going anywhere. Your only chance, uh, it, the upside for Mike White versus the upside for Zach Wilson is not comparable. No, I, I obviously, but it, we've can, seen. Can the Jets destroy Zach Wilson? Absolutely. And I think this has <laughs> yes. been a very pro destroy Zach Wilson podcast from the New York media perspective. But yes. they, they, yeah, this is. Mike White has already been announced as the starter Thursday night football against the Colts. If he does anything to keep that game competitive, then let's let's rehash this next next uh, Monday night. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, let's move on to one of uh, I think the, the better games uh, from this slate Patriots at Chargers. So Patriots win this game 27 to 24 Toaster, I'm going to kick this over to you here, but one, are the Patriots good? And two, what what does this tell us about the Chargers? I think the Patriots are good and the Chargers are good. I don't think that this game changed anything from my perspective. I mean, the the New England Patriots took the Cowboys into overtime. They were basically a fumble away from beating the Dolphins for their only victory. And that was, again, week one, um, Mac Jones's first start. And they lost by two and a doink of a field goal against the Buccaneers. They could not, never revisionist history, but like if you talk about those points, there's what, mm-hmm. five points away from having three extra victories? That's a pretty good percentage of sticking close. Okay, fair enough. So you don't think, because obviously the Chargers have had a bit of a letdown the last few weeks. You don't think this is a necessarily a continuation of that. It's more so that the Patriots are just solid. They're going to give you a good game, especially with Belichick. Um, I I can they, buy. They've that. only not given one good game this year, and that was against the Saints when we still didn't know who they were. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think I think that's totally fair. Um, one thing that really like just I fucking love Bill Belichick. I really do. What really stood out to me here was at the very end of this game, Patriots are trying to 
bank some first downs, kill some clock. I think there are just under seven minutes left um, when a drive started for them here. Every fucking play, every Patriot player was getting down before going out of bounds. And they they probably got a solid three minutes shaved off the clock just from, it, you know, not trying to fight for extra yardage or like, you know, jump, lunge out of bounds. Like, just give yourself up a couple yards short, get down, keep the clock rolling. The little things matter. That's why Bill Belichick's always going to have his team competitive. And then Mac Jones, not a super impressive overall game, right? Especially Probably you look at the numbers. Games. Yeah, totally. But he just continues to do the little things, continues to execute. And if you don't turn the ball over, he ha- and he had a couple, Which I think they did too. They, they turned the ball over in the red zone, but this is exactly what I was talking about week one with the dolphins is that the play calling is designed to do just enough to win the game and they persevered enough here they're not uh, it's awkward saying this after they scored put up 54 on the jets but they're not a team that's designed to absolutely run up the score they're there to strategically ground and pound do just enough and execute without mistakes and they can win Mm -hmm. games yeah, absolutely. And I one thing that kind of stands out to me here, the more and more I watch them and watch the plan they have for Mac Jones and the way they're able to be competitive, despite the fact that he has a fairly limited ceiling, um, one, as a player, but two, the ceiling that he puts on that offense because of you know um, his inability to really drive the ball down the field. But I, I know the history and all of this, but should Josh McDaniels be getting more consideration for a head coaching potential head coaching job the way that Kellen Moore and Brian Dayball and all of these upstart coordinators are? I mean, I'd, I'd say the exact opposite. Really? Josh McDaniels has been a thorn in my side for the longest time. You, you look at what Tom Brady is doing right now in Tampa Bay. Josh McDaniels was holding him back. And this is a Josh McDaniels execution right here is saying we're going to do enough. And guess what? My defense better be pretty fucking good or else we're not going to be successful. And uh, uh, Josh, you're, you uh, are sorry, um, <laughs> intern shit. Um, you were a Broncos fan at the time that Josh McDaniels was coach. Like, how did you feel about that situation? Uh, I hated from the, I hated him from the get go. Granted, he uh, managed to get rid of our quarterback and our best receiver in the matter of like two breaths the second he got there um, and then replaced him with Tebow time. So I always kind <laughs> so of thought he was, a, yeah. so he was a good coach. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. He, he, I mean, if you want to look at this in the sense that he's the reason why we got Peyton Manning, then sure. Like, thank you, Josh McDaniels. But I wanted to just not be a fan for yeah, about four I just, years. I don't, yeah, it was I awful. I don't, I don't find McDaniels overly creative or innovative or anything that you're seeing from these upstart OCs that you're talking about. He is again, very tactful and I'm all for saying a five yard arrow route is just as, if not more successful than an inside run, but you've got to hit that inside. You've got to hit that arrow route two out of three times or else you're going three and out. And that was something that's been, plaguing the Patriots for for some time okay fair enough yeah I I think just maybe 
wide angle view of it. I, you know, I think he's got a rookie quarterback who is limited and they've been very competitive as you'd mentioned. And that, that is impressive to me, but fair enough. Obviously you have the Belichick influence on everything that's going on here. And maybe it does play to his hand that Mac Jones is limited because he doesn't have to ask him to do all that much. And he doesn't have to, you know, it, he, he knows that Mac will execute the simple play over and over again. And yeah, I, I think that's all fair. That's all I fair. I think there's but, a lot more talent on this roster than they get credit for. The offensive line is their overachievers. And then you've got Hunter, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, and Kendrick Bourne. If you gave me that as a matchup each week defensively with a true offensive mastermind, I think that that would be very, very difficult to come up against. And they've all underperformed. Fair enough. All right. Um, anything on the Chargers before we move on from this game? I, their offense just looks off right now. Um, I I don't want to say that like Herbert is regressing necessarily from what we saw earlier in the year, but it, there's something going on there, right? I think I think it's Bill Belichick. The two games that he's played, the Patriots are his two lowest passer ratings in his career. It's Brandon Staley's a defensive-minded head coach, so I don't think that this is necessarily his best matchup to go against another uh, defensive head coach or very strict, disciplined defensive team. This, to me, is an anomaly. It's very similar to what the Ravens did, and I think that the Bengals prove that one week is doesn't mean shit because if you take down the Ravens by, what, 24 points one week, and we really need to stop talking shit about Vegas because they're fucking us on this when we laughed at the 10.5-point spread for the Bengals versus <laughs> the Jets. But, you know, next week, come back, and the Bengals lose to the Jets by three. So this is just a – it's a lot – It's your record is what, you, what it says it is. They're four and three. They're one of the four teams, plus potentially – uh, assuming the Kansas City Chiefs um, are able to win this game, that are above 500 in the in, in AFC West, like they're going to start competing, and you put this one behind you. It was bad yeah. to come off a bye and do this, but Belichick's done this to a lot of teams coming off of buys. Speaking of people not performing well off of buys, can we get to the fucking Urban Meyer, formerly led uh, Jacksonville Jaguars? <laughs> sure, uh, Jags. Head to Seattle. The more for... time he gets to prepare, the worse their team is. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so true. It is. I feel so fucking terrible for Trevor Lawrence. It's just miserable watching them play. They they got blown out by the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. And Geno, I think, maybe extended his career by like five years with this game. He only had four incompletions. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He led all QBs this week with four big time throws, which is like, I just, what a disaster in Jacksonville. God, does Urban, we talk about this, I feel like every week, but like, is he going to make it out of this year? He's going to because I think Shad Khan likes him and doesn't. I mean, that's pretty typical of this kind of style, this kind of, uh, 
power play that you don't want to lose face right away and probably let urban Meyer say, I'm either going for greener pastures and I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to take over for Dan Mullen in Florida, or I'm going to head to USC or just straight up retire. But if you get a bye week to prepare for the Geno Smith led Seattle Seahawks, and then Mm -hmm. don't score a damn point until the fourth quarter, this would be one thing if it was okay. Competitive throughout. You didn't score a damn point for three quarters coming off of your bye. And, and the Seahawks defense is, is the worst in the league against the throw. Yeah. And you've got the quarterback that you invested the first overall draft back in that was supposed to be the second coming of Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Steve Young, put all the names on it, and you can't score a fucking point for three quarters. Yeah. They can't score yeah. a point for fucking three quarters and what, like eight and a half minutes. I think the last point came three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Then they did an onside kick that got returned for a fucking touchdown. It was, I think, uh, I may have just been a Seahawks record now that I'm thinking about it, but it's the shortest kick return for a touchdown, uh, in team history. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. Uh, you can't fucking, you couldn't write this shit, you know, you're, your offense is shit. Your defense is shit. Just go back to your fucking bar in Ohio and have a good time because nobody else is enjoying themselves watching you. No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Let's, was that uh, too hard on Urban? No, I, I think it's deserved. I think Bob it's deserved. Urban slander. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so bad every week you think it can't get worse and somehow it gets worse so i think that's i'm not going to call it because i just it's so hard to go winless in this league but the jaguars would definitely be the first team to be undefeated non-domestically and only defeated domestically if they are able to continue this absolutely terrible football performance that they're putting on yeah, the the London win really propping them up right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's let's just do the home soil shit, right? They haven't won a game on home soil in what now would it be twenty one games since week one of last year? Yeah, yeah, oh, brutal. All right, uh, moving on to <laughs> USA. Yeah, moving on to some other really shitty teams. Um, the Eagles just shit pumped the lions and i really thought this was going to be the week for this was the one <laughs> i mean they were plus three and a half it felt like oh they're playing tough like home dog i don't know against a bad eagles team and this was not even competitive like from the jump and jalen hurts didn't even fucking didn't do, do anything shit. in this game this was the weirdest part. It was I was watch. I actually was watching this game with somebody that this is not a fantasy football podcast, but I was watching it with somebody that had Jalen Hurts as their quarterback in fantasy, and I had to console her. I'm just like, no, you made the right play. They put up 44 points, and he only had 100 yards passing. I don't know yeah. how that happens. He only had 17 dropbacks, and this is a team that has basically said run like they're allergic to running the ball, and. I mean, this was, oof, man, that's a bad one. That's a really bad one. And I think Jared Goff, poor guy. He, 
get rid of him. I I don't David Blau, whoever you fucking want. I don't know. Yeah. But the golf experiment is absolutely over. Um, yeah. Fisher Put him out of his misery. Originally, Sean McVay was able to get something out of him, enough out of him. And then once Sean McVay was no longer able to get anything out of him, I, I he's done. Sorry, this is a Josh Rosen situation with even worse money implications. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the other really terrible blowout game here. Um, although with the cover, might I add, uh, the Rams. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'll let you get into that. The Rams beat the hell out of the Texans 38 to 22. Um, they beat but the, the Texans, the Rams 38 to nothing. Sorry. 38 to nothing. Yeah. You want to, you want to elaborate 22 points in the first and the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? When the spread and, ended at 16 and a half and they covered to 16. If you, uh, again, we didn't, didn't bet on this game. Actually, I did bet on this game, but I got it 14 and a half. So it was fine. But just like to do 22 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, this just stop. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. It just seems so contrived at that point. Yeah, that uh, kind of meaningless. And it's funny too. Like, um, looking through Pro Football Focus's um, grades for the quarterbacks in this game, and Davis Mills ranked really highly for them this week. Um, even though pretty much everything he did was yeah, because he in ran for a two point quarter. conversion to cover at the end of the fucking game because it's bullshit. Yep, exactly. Uh, one thing about the Rams here, though, it, it, Matt Stafford puts up 305 and three touchdowns. Is he the clubhouse leader for MVP at this point? I would still probably give it to Tom Brady at this point, yeah. but he's he's right up there. Um, I yeah. think that they've got Homer. Uh, I think no, I, I think I'm pretty I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to that shit. I want to actually believe, but I think Brady has one more touchdown pass and one more interception. Is that what it is? Um, uh, the only Brady reason has one more touchdown pass, one more interception, and he's the only person with more yards than Matthew Stafford as well. Yeah, the reason I would give it to Brady over Stafford right now is the Rams defense is far superior to what the Bucks defense is put on paper right now. And um, I think that they've had a little bit higher competition than the Rams have. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I I think they're 1A and 1B. Um, I think Staff, uh, if, if, it was, if I wanted to bet who was going to win it right now, I would put Stafford on it just because yeah. that's just how these votes go, right? Like we right. don't want LeBron James to win. We don't want Tom Brady to win. Let's yeah. get some new blood There's in voter there. voter fatigue. What's a, what's, sure. a, what's a better story than Matt Stafford going away from the fucking Detroit fucking Lions to winning MVP, right? Yeah. Like, it's a better storyline. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, all right. Let's rapidly, I think, get through some of these last few games. Um, Steelers at Browns. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised at the Steelers remaining competitive right now. And uh, they look to have a pretty easy win on their schedule next week against the bears on Monday night. So they're, they're sitting in a position. I mean, they're not going away. 
And I, I want to credit Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, even though I've shit on him quite a bit on this podcast um, for that. Deservedly but, so. I mean, some of the sacks he took looked like legit a tree falling in the woods. It was it was just ad. Uh, they I did know, just it's... enough. And I, I don't know where this passing game is for Baker Mayfield and the Browns. It It is absolutely dreadful. It's it's non-existent. I I mean, if they can't run the hell out of the ball, um, you know they Baker put up two twenty five. You know, pretty bland, a bunch of zeros really beyond that. Like no touchdowns, no interceptions, no big time throws, no turnover worthy plays. Um, he didn't wow. And if they can't just cram it down your throat with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're struggling right now. And it's just so, you know, they're a great example of how the NFL is, you can't just look at what a team looks like on paper, right? Going into a year, there's so much more that goes into it. And, you know, Stefanski is a good coach that the Browns, I think, will continue to stay afloat here. You know, they're four and four. It's not like um, the sky is falling on them, but you know, they're going to be in a I mean, they're dog fight four, but at the bottom of the AFC North. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're going to be in a dog fight within that division. And, you know, you've got the Bengals at five and three, the Steelers at four and three, and it, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be real tough. And this was a team that a lot of people thought had maybe the best roster in football, save for the bucks going into the year, thought they would be the far and away favorite in that division. Um, they've got some shit to work out. I thought they were super overrated coming out of last year. Um, I I think that they were still, I probably would have put them as the best team in this division based on what I thought was a Steelers drop off. Um, the Bengals being the Bengals and the league figuring Lamar Jackson out potentially. The biggest storyline to me is OBJ is there. He is the highest cap hit on their team and he is absolutely useless yeah for this offense and i don't think that they can trade him because the value is going to be so little in return at this point what's his cap hit right now his cap hit right now in the in 21 is 15.75 okay and 15 million the next two years the only thing that i think would work is if the bears are given up on Allen Robinson, maybe you do a one for one swap and make the money work because it's close enough. Um, but otherwise I'm with you. I, it is mind blowing, like how they're not able to get this guy going in this offense. It's Stefanski's a smart play caller. You know what I mean? This isn't like you're working with nothing here and they just can't, they're so off sync. It's weird. It's very weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the athleticism of OBJ. I've always kind of thought that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of a freelance style there. And once you try to get him into uh, a committed system, that's going to be difficult, right? I mean, everybody remembers his tremendous one-handed catches and stuff like that, but that's not designed football, right? And that's sure. not some quarterback throwing it into the upper 90th percentile of your catchable surface area on purpose it's <laughs> okay he made a fucking great play and 
he just hasn't been able to work his way into this offense. And it, it's been a little surprising to me, but the, it's going to be tough for them to, to move on. Like yeah. I said, 15 million the next two years also. And all he's done is destroy his trade value. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, let's keep rolling here. Just so might as well touch on the rest of these games. Um, 49ers, 33, Bears, 22, 49ers cover. Uh, Bears couldn't stop anybody. They didn't have Khalil Mack. Eddie Jackson went out on the second play of this game, and Jimmy G was just like, <laughs> I mean, what did he throw for? Jimmy G threw for 322 yards, 11.5 yards per attempt. Uh, he did get his first big time throw of the year on that uh, 50 yard pass to Debo right before the end of the half. Um, but otherwise, I, are the Niners, do we think that they can turn this thing around? I know competing for the NFC West is going to be tough, but the final wild card spot in the NFC is attainable. Can they do it? I think that Debo's too much of their offense proportionately. And I mean, Debo went six receptions, 171 yards. And if you can get a team that's able to shut down Debo, then they're in an entirely different um, tier of being able to be competitive. I mean, I think that's easier said than done, though. You've got a good play caller in Kyle Shanahan who the way that Debo got his yards in this game, it wasn't just by lining up and beating somebody one-on-one. A lot of it was schemed up for him very well. Um, Obviously the tunnel screen that he took 84 yards or whatever uh, was a lot of bad defense by the bears, but you know, you can't necessarily stop him from getting a tunnel screen um, with your you know, how you set up your defense. So they're going to get healthier too, right? I'm not saying that, that it's not that they can't be schemed against. I'm just saying I don't know that it's going to be sustainable without getting Ayuk back in the game. Maybe Kittle mm-hmm. adds a different dynamic. I don't think mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell's actually the answer, despite the tremendous numbers that he put up in this game. It, it I think that they're the fact that they were two and four before this game means more to me than them beating the Bears by eleven. Yeah. I I would probably agree with you on that. Um, I I didn't have a ton of faith going into them this year. Um, I think I notoriously picked the Seahawks to win that division, um, and I thought the Niners would probably be third, you know, third fourth battling out with the Cardinals there. So obviously I was wrong, but uh, I didn't expect them to look as bad as they've looked the last few weeks. So I'm, I'm thinking that they'll probably creep closer to but mediocrity. Really look that great. I mean, they only had 15 points going into the fourth quarter against the Khalil Mack less Bears, Eddie Jackson less Bears. Like they weren't. It's not like they were running oh, far away with this. Totally. I'm not saying it coming out of this game. I'm saying I think in general, you'd expect them to creep back towards some level of mediocrity as they get healthier here. And what's it going to take? I mean, I think we talked about it last episode. What's it going to take to be that final wild wild card spot in the NFC? Like a nine win team? Will that get it done? You don't think so? No, I think you've got to be a 10 win team to get it done in the NFC at this point. 
But look at the teams that they're competing against. The four and four Carolina Panthers are currently in that final spot. The three and four Vikings, the three and four Atlanta Falcons, the three and five Eagles, the three and five Seahawks. Like, I guess I have not adjusted my um, stats right now for the potential fall off for the Saints. But before the Saints, I would have had them needing 10 wins. Okay. So nine or 10 wins, though. I mean, you're basically talking about being a hair over 500. And I think, I mean, without having their schedule in front of me, like, it seemed that they'd be in that conversation. I don't know. They're currently ninth. I mean, they uh, go for what it's worth. Cardinals, Rams, then they do get the Jags, Vikings, probably the Russell Wilson Seahawks, and then Bengals as well. So, um, yeah, that's tough. That's not, overall not, pretty tough. Not the easiest. They get the Titans as well in week 16, but that might be without Derrick Henry. They could luck out too and get a Rams team at the end of the year, uh, benching their guys for rest if they clinch early. So, Potentially, it, yeah. It could be some freebies there. Yeah. Yeah, week 18 against the Rams. Yeah. I don't know. All I right. feel like that that's one of the few things that division rivals like to fuck up, right? If it's uh, we rest our guys or we keep the 49ers out of the playoffs, um, I can see mm-hmm. I can see Sean McVay and the Rams saying, yeah, let's, let's not see somebody that we've already seen twice this year, potentially. Mm-hmm. It is harder, I think, though, with the only one team getting the bye. Like... Right. It really pushes all teams to be competing up until the very end. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I think the Niners are a good team. I, I'm just wondering if they have enough and they get healthy enough that they're going to be in that conversation uh, for a playoff spot. Just because the rest, I mean, the teams that they're competing with are just awful, yeah. <laughs> frankly. Yeah, completely fair, especially with the Vikings dropping. Uh, a, a very winnable game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think much uh, to say about the Bears in this one. They were without Matt Nagy, uh, which led to some actual good coaching decisions uh, in certain moments. And Justin Fields had a couple like God tier athlete plays, um, you know, flashed a pretty good bounce back from uh, the previous week. But otherwise, the Bears are still a disaster. We mentioned they didn't have Klumak, didn't have Eddie Jackson. Um, you know, they started a fifth round rookie, first career start at Rice Hackle, who actually ended up being their best offensive lineman in this game. So Josh, I think uh, this is where you're supposed to bu- jump in and say, like, let's stop talking about the Bears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, man, I went, I'm an Ohio State guy, so I'll, I'll listen to Justin Fields any day of the week. Though I do hope he kind of like gets down a little more often. Save that body for coaching staff. Yes, get down, I agree. Get down on that end zone. Yeah, for real. Um, like, all right, he move. He can move. I didn't think his mobility was going to be as translatable into the NFL, just for how big he is. And kid can move. A kid can fucking move. When he makes a decision to go, it's he makes dudes look fucking slow for sure. Um. All right, last few games here, uh, just because conscious of time, but Panthers-Falcons, just kind of a dumpster fire game. Panthers win this 19-13. to First victory uh, without CMC. I think that's was it really? Win. And uh, um, actually, I've gotten some positive feedback on the uh, insane Brady stat of the week, so I'm not sure if you had one. Um, first time he's thrown 
four touchdowns, two interceptions, 375 yards and lost to Trevor Simeon, maybe. Um, no, um, no, I do have one actually. Oh, but you do? I, well, let's do I it. I do. But if you've got one as well. Okay. Uh, so my insane Brady stat of the week, let me just scroll through my notes here. Um, he set the all-time record for three and four touchdown passing games in this game. So nice. another record on his mantle. Most three and four, most, most games with three touchdowns and most games with four touchdowns in his, yep. the history of the NFL. Okay, nice. Yep. Um, my insane stat is that 10% of Sam Darnold's passes have been dropped. 10%. That's including actual, like, what? every single pass, incompletions, completions, any attempt, 10% of them have been dropped. So Holy I know shit. we've been shitting on Darnold, and deservedly so for some of the decisions he's made, but what he's working with with that pass-catching core or pass-dropping core is kind of egregious. There's nobody else that's even touching that number. Well, um, to be fair, he got fucking Robbie Anderson killed, so yeah. I wouldn't be. Doing oh no, much no, to help I'm not either. saying that there's not there's not a little bit on him. It's the same thing that we talked about with the preseason when we were wondering why Trey Lance got credited with so many drops, and it's because oh, he's throwing fucking um, drop kicks out there to his wide receivers. How the fuck are they supposed <laughs> to catch it? But ten percent of his drop or ten percent of his passes are dropped, um, and then that's high. I think Kyle Pitts showed today that even as much of a matchup um, struggle you can be, ultimately people can match up with you. Two receptions for, what, 16 yards or something? Yeah, uh, it was just a bad day overall for the Falcons offense, though. Um, you know, nobody was really going to get going there, I don't think. Yeah, no, and thoughts are with uh, Calvin Ridley. Hopefully his mental health's um, get back in order. Um, that's mm -hmm. important to him to all of us quite frankly um good for him to take a stand as difficult as that probably was but um the team will certainly miss him but that's not about the team that's about what he needs to do for himself and good for the team for enabling him to go do that yeah. you know mm -hmm. kind of looking out long term versus worrying about a game in week what eight seven yeah of a football season eight against the fucking carolina panthers who had just lost four in a row so yeah uh, no, absolutely. Love to see that. The league needs to trend more in that direction um, with these guys. So great call out there. Um, I think there's only two more games here on the slate. The Bills beat the Dolphins 26 to 11 and the Broncos beat the Washington football team 17 to 10. Um, anything really stand out in those two games for you guys? Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? All right, here we go. <laughs> so Bills up by two scores, 20 to 11 at the end of the game. Don't take a fucking knee. Fucking run it in with Josh Allen. Go up 11 to 26 and then go for two. Like this is what divisional football is supposed to be about. We do not respect you, Dolphins. I don't know mm -hmm. how you beat that other shit squad Patriots team. But guess what? We're going to absolutely wipe our asses with the Patriots down the road and we're wiping our asses with you right now that i just i just love stomping on it like robert Sala said it last week when they were pissed off that the uh patriots ramp score against the jets it's like this is professional football like we pay you to stop them from scoring so yeah is you know there might be some inherent risk with continuing to run out plays but to see them just uh, you know gas on the pedal or 
pedal to the metal at the end of the game for no reason whatsoever, just saying, actually, we are going to cover the spread because I guess there was, were some implications there, but there, the Dolphins had no business being in this game whatsoever, and the Bills decided that they were going to put it in their own hands to say, no, you actually were not in this game. I do love that. I do. I can get on board with NFL teams running up the score. So uh, my apologies for glossing over these games like nothing really happened here. Um, intern J-Rob, I want to give you a moment to uh, put some shine on the Broncos here. Any Anything take away from this game? Oh, man. Um, they're like the worst kind of average, I guess. Um they will beat the bad teams enough that you're like makes you think they're like you know competitive but then they'll get absolutely like shit canned by good teams so we'll end up oh, with like you're a, saying then they'd like trade away their linebackers for <laughs> i mean that's fine if we're gonna tank but uh fangio needs to go he needs to get fired um he might be a good guy might be a good defensive coordinator but i think he's in over his head um a perfect example is we were up a touchdown there was about this is like last closing two minutes of the game. Uh, they had Washington had two timeouts remaining. Uh, sorry, it was third down. They had one timeout remaining. If we had just ran the ball, forced the timeout, milked some clock on fourth down and punted it, they would have had maybe like two seconds left on the clock to try and tie it. Uh, we threw for it on third down, threw an incomplete <laughs> pass, saved them a timeout, and they actually ended up making it way closer than like it needed to be. And to me, that's just stuff that's like you can't even manage like one of the most basic you basic clock job. management skills. It's not even calling timeouts like it's just right. killing clock. Like you can't even kill clock and you're a defensive coach like you're familiar yeah. with how like clock like that's all you worry about most of the time. And I think the, the team's lost it. Like he's lost the team. He's asking linebackers to play nickel coverage. Like I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Um. And they win, you mentioned, they win against bad teams, and I don't like that because I don't think they, they're they frauds and they need to lose. To yeah. <laughs> it's also like a very boring win, right? Like a 17-10 yeah. win against the Washington football team. Uh, you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but is this Teddy Bridgewater's last game potentially as a Bronco? Um, If they traded him, I wouldn't be upset. He was... Do you think... I'm he, not saying he was bad. No, no I'm not, not saying he was bad. Oh, you're, saying, you're thinking that he's trade fodder for like the Saints? I yes. think that you could because like he's a veteran guy. The Saints are familiar with him. He was in their system for what two years as a backup while they when he left uh, Minnesota. Like mm-hmm. Peyton's familiar with him. He could bring him in. Um, and I think if you're Denver, you've shown other teams that you're willing to move pieces that can actually make a difference. That I think they wouldn't hesitate. And Drew Locke, it could be an easy excuse then too for Drew Locke to be like, "Hey, put up or shut up." And if he sucks, we lose and get a better draft pick. And if he does well, then. But you got, you, uh, we still get rid of him. You got <laughs> to return Jameis Winston in that trade and, you know, have him compete with Drew Locke for the starting position. Dude, that would be the dream. That's like just that would be some awesome kind of football Winston there. just in trapped in a white man's body. Speaking of that, you made the mention that with uh, Winston being out that uh, Carson Wentz is like now the new like run and gun throw it throw it everywhere guy okay call I him have the it, yolo king but the yeah. yellow king i have it in my notes i was meant to say it. uh i have in my notes i was like uh whence is Jameis trapped in a midwest christian man's body so <laughs> i'm on board with uh him and winston being the same yeah uh, also yeah. uh Kirk cousins london royalty body but okay yeah. <laughs> uh 
hot take if you want to do like an intern hot take of the day of the week uh baker and kirk cousins are the same player i i can see a lot of that i think baker baker's a little more athletic but uh they're they're very close we we actually talked about earlier this year that Kirk Cousins used to be the baseline for whether you needed a new quarterback and that Baker is now that baseline. So I guess that yeah. technically checks out. Dude, I, Baker bamboozled Cleveland, man. He can throw a really, really good 15 yard out with like a three, like a three step drop, plant that foot and throw, throw like a 15 yard rope. But the second you ask him to run through like three progressions and he feels a lick of pressure, he just like does a wrist flick and Steelers should have picked him off twice last game. Like I don't, there's a lot of games where I think he gets bailed out by some stuff that probably should be turnovers or more detrimental than they end up being. I'm sorry. I got to disagree it, Kirk cousins at home with progressive commercials would be absolutely fucking dog shit. So um, they're not <laughs> the same. They're not the same player. Well, dude, credit to Baker, dude. It's solidified him in Cleveland. They're like, you really, you're going to, you're going to cut me and ruin all those commercials. Like he's, he's there. He's in. Are you going to kick somebody out of their home? Yeah, that's it's, it's his home now. <laughs> <laughs> no i i can agree with that take uh they're they're very similar they're like maybe we should find what's their like name combination is there something that works um but they're basically like the same guy one's just a little fatter i think and isn't as christian but all right um we'll internal workshop that one we'll work to, yeah it, give me Don't. give me some good name morphs, Josh. That'd be great. Um, I would say right. cake, but that implies like good things. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt and Baker, just cake Kurt. with a K. Caker, Caker, Caker. Um, la- last thing I think before we get out of here, trade deadline. We touched on a lot of this stuff already. Is there anything else that stands out, Toaster, that uh, you think should happen, might happen? Uh, sounds like Deshaun Watson is staying put. Yeah, I think it's the typical NFL trade deadline where everybody gets their hopes up and nothing ultimately nothing happens. happens. Uh, Cooks would have been the last piece that I saw actually being a tangible move, and the Texans are seemingly playing hardball and trying to hold on to him. I don't think that ultimately Jeff um, uh, Allen Robinson gets moved. That I don't I don't see anything real big happening, unfortunately, in the asking price for Deshaun Watson just went up as soon as the Dolphins offered something, which means to me that they're just going to wait till the off season and see what the legal situation is and get more teams into that uh, parlay. Yeah. Florio tweeted that, uh, or posted an article that basically what happened was they got word. The Texans got word that Watson was going to settle. And that's what caused them to crank their price up. And teams were like, fuck you. No way. Yeah. So I think you're probably right, but I'm going to hold out hope. All right. Well, looking forward to the emergency podcast tomorrow. If you're the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're the Colts, do you call up Houston and go for Watson? You have a defense an O-line that can protect him in a run game that doesn't put all the pressure on him. The I problem don't think is you so. can't keep Wentz and Watson on the roster next year. Uh, the reason it makes sense for me for the Dolphins and why I've been so confused why they're planning on moving on from Tua as part of the deal is you get that extra year out of Tua potentially while Watson's serving his probably more likely mm-hmm. than not suspension. 
and say, okay, we can either build our trade value or we continue to absolutely suck balls. But now we're sucking balls with our own draft picks, which means we get to draft higher next year. Unfortunately, right now they're sucking balls with the 49ers draft pick and that doesn't you know really add up for them. So it, right. to me, it's it's got to be a team that has a rookie quarterback that they can try to build some value with or absolutely tank with taking on an expensive veteran like uh, that's the same issue that the Carolina Panthers had right now right they have committed to paying Sam Darnold 18 million dollars next year and I believe that Watson's number is 40 million next year at least 35 and maybe that goes away if he's actually serving a suspension but even if it's only an eight game suspension that means you've got to find 18 million dollars to to pay Watson right yeah, I. it sounds like he's staying put no matter what. But yeah, I don't think the Colts would necessarily be an option either. But yeah, good idea. All right. We will get out of here on that then. Um, any last thoughts before we go, though? Just a preview for the next pod. Somehow the Chargers are only two and a half point favorites to the Eagles. And I don't understand it. And we're talking shit about Vegas and they're going to prove me wrong. But <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that one next pod. Yep. All righty. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, as always, um, you know, subscribe where you get your pods, uh, follow us or subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to try to start posting a little bit more actively there. I apologize for that, but, um, yeah, Josh, good first show. Great having you. Thank and, you. And, uh, Glad to be here. now go, uh, make me a coffee because, <laughs> falling asleep here i gotta edit this all right people, um, people about. it'll take me like a few days to get it to you um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get it there that'll be an easy excuse to get up to seattle fair enough all right all right thanks everybody that'll do it for us <laughs>